Business is not as difficult as you think if you learn, implement, and master simple yet timeless principles and mindset shifts. Here at Systemizing Scalability, we're on a mission to increase your profit margins while getting your time back. Arturo has started, bought, and sold over 55 businesses across 18 industries and has coached thousands of entrepreneurs just like you. Whether you're a brick and mortar or an online business owner, an established business owner or a solopreneur, we'll show you a framework to increase your sales and profit two to three times while getting back your valuable time to be more strategic or just enjoy life. And now here's your host, Arturo Henriquez. Hello, everybody. Arturo Henriquez here, and welcome to this episode. Now, if you manage one person, five people, 10 people, if you have a team, this is a must-listen to episode. And the reason is, if you can relate to the analogy of herding cats or running a daycare, if it feels like that some days in your team, then this is going to be a good episode for you. And so it comes down to the reason why most people get really frustrated when they're trying to run lead managed teams, what it really comes down to is if you've heard of the network effect, the formula where what's the number of handshakes that are possible as you add people, right? It starts to grow exponentially, right? Actually, when you get beyond five people, so that means if you were to get five people together, how many handshakes are possible? Unique handshakes are possible between all of the five people, right? It starts to grow exponentially when you get beyond five and seven people, right? I mean, if it's just two people, there's only one handshake. If it's three, there's one, two, three handshakes, right? And so on and so forth. And so interesting little side fact, there is the ideal maximum number in a team or a meeting should be five plus or minus two. And again, that's related to the network effect or the handshake principle. So that's just an interesting side because if you think about it, in meetings, everybody needs to be heard and everybody's going to have questions and follow up and they need to be you know, on the same page. And the tangent conversations that evolve, it starts to get really, really out of hand. And something called communication saturation starts to become a real problem when you get much beyond five plus or minus two. So as an aside, if you're ever structuring teams, that's why you want to keep it to five, ideally or less, especially in meeting. So that's an aside. But what I really want to talk about is the antidote that allowed me to shed that feeling of hurting cats or running a daycare with people. And the nice thing about this, I've always wanted to, I don't know if you remember having a great coach or teacher growing up, and they weren't always like, you know, friendly, but you could tell that they really cared, right? And they were tough on you because, well, you couldn't put a finger on it, but they recognized and can see your potential. And their job was to help you realize that potential. And sometimes that meant telling you what you didn't necessarily want to hear, but you could tell it came from a good place. And so this is something that I often refer to as respect for people. And really you're respecting your people's potential. That means sometimes being friendly, but not friends. And so if you got problems with drama, with people not showing up for work, they're really not realizing their potential. And so you're not being mean necessarily by holding them accountable. You're actually helping them out in the grand scheme of things because they're not hitting their true potential. In an odd way, it's kind of sowing tough love. 
And that's my whole notion around respect for people. And so to get into the actionable stuff in terms of how I shifted my approach, my strategy when it came to managing our people was it was based on the foundation of respect for people. And really what I want in any one of my businesses is people who are, you know, they got a system and a framework and a structure to help pull out their true potential. And I was not able to do that if I was holding on to everything, micromanaging them, not allowing them to make mistakes, to fail, you know, to think for themselves. You really have to provide an environment where they can. It's just like raising kids in many respects, where they need to be able to experience the failures and the pressure and the burden of ownership in order to grow and thrive. And that's really the environment that you want to create. And you can do that by implementing two kinds of strategies. And this comes down to creating culture in your company as well. And so the first one of these two is transparency. What I mean by that is if you want to have an environment where people are being held accountable without you having to follow up, you want to create transparency. And a good example of this is things need to be done. If you make it transparent, in other words, if it's not done, people can see that it's not done. You're going to invoke a little bit of peer pressure. Nobody wants to be the odd man out. And so when you create transparency, and another way of doing that, obviously, is you can imagine if there's one person, one person responsible for doing something versus I didn't know who was supposed to do that. I thought we had three people assigned to do this one thing. If you have one set of eyeballs and everybody can see it, so there's no at the end of the week, oh, I didn't know you wanted me to do this. If you're really clear about that and everyone can see it and when it needs to get done, you're going to 10 extra return on your people and your activities and drastically eliminate the required follow-up just by making things transparent. So transparency is number one. And when you're looking at your numbers in your company in terms of what was quoted last week on the sales side, things like internal warranty, whatever your numbers are, If you make those things transparent amongst your managers, your leaders, and everybody can kind of see how things are going and who's responsible for what, that is going to take so much burden off your shoulders just by leveraging transparency. Now, number two is results, creating a results-only work environment. And this is great because it works as a magnet. Creating a results-only work environment serves to attract the right people, and in my opinion, repel the wrong people because what you don't want in your company is just like in sports right people that worked hard but didn't achieve the desired result and if they value that result I always say if it takes you two hours or 40 hours it doesn't really matter we really just value the result so think about your sales team if it took 20 sales calls or 100 calls to convert someone at the end of the day I would rather we focus on the result And so if you find an easier, better, faster, more efficient way, then that's awesome. You should because we value that. We value the result. And when we shifted to that, there was a lot less of the, I don't want to sound harsh, but it comes down to your business. It's an unemotional thing. It's objective. Your customers, your sales, there's no emotion in terms of whether or not your business is healthy or it's not. And so you want people that value and respect that. And you can do it from a caring, you know, standpoint. It's not like you're not caring when you have a results only work environment. 
You want to have people that really value that and identify with that. And oftentimes people with a sports background, they get it. And they want to have their actions speak louder than their words. And that's really what you want to cultivate in your business is people that really respect and value and say, you know what? I'm going to let my actions speak for me and my results because that's what we really care about in our organization, in our culture. And so those two things, by focusing on creating transparency and by focusing on results-only work environment, cultivating that kind of environment, that totally shifted my approach to managing people. It shifted our culture in all of our businesses. A lot of people that didn't like those things didn't want to work in our business anymore, and that was a good thing. And we started to trend away from me feeling like I was herding cats and running a daycare. And so those are the two things that really were helpful for me in terms of making that shift transparency and we're creating a results-only work environment. And how we've done that specifically and tangibly was we made it two of our core values. Now, we've got a number of other core values, but those two were huge shifts on our businesses. Anyways, um, I hope you enjoyed this episode and I will see you on the next one. If you're loving the Systemizing Scalability podcast, then we know you would love the Reset Method program. Here we help time-stretched business owners achieve two to three times profit growth while slashing their work week by 10 to 20 hours. And we guarantee that. Head on over to www.arturohenriquez.com slash SS.